In this episode of Flying Smarter, I'm answering questions about runway numbers and what happens to planes when they are retired. Then, we have our very first guest, flight attendant Joe Thomas. Welcome to episode 2 of Flying Smarter, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of air travel. My name is Andrew, and I'm very excited for this episode, and that's because we have our very first guest. Joe Thomas, also known as Flight Attendant Joe, is here to talk about how to treat your flight attendants and to share some tips to make your flying experience better for everyone. We discuss everything from what passengers should absolutely not be doing on a plane to how you might be able to get yourself a free drink on your next flight. But first, let's get started by answering some questions about air travel. How do runway numbers work? Well, airport runways are numbered, and you can see these numbers painted in giant lettering at the end of each runway. And they're so huge so that they can be seen clearly from the sky. In the United States, for example, a single number is 63 by 20 feet. Runways are numbered according to their magnetic compass heading, and rounded to the nearest 10. The magnetic compass has 360 degrees, with north being 0 or 360, and then the south is 180. This means that runways are numbered from 1 to 36. So if a runway is pointing west to 262 degrees, it would be labeled as runway 26. And what that means is if I'm taking off from runway 26, I'm flying at a heading of roughly 260 degrees magnetic. What this means is that each runway actually has two numbers, one at each end. And if one side of the runway is numbered 26, the other would be 180 degrees in the opposite direction, numbered runway 08. Sometimes, you also get a letter attached at the end of a runway number, and this occurs when there's parallel runways at the same airport. At New York's JFK airport, for example, they've got runway 4 left, or 4L, and runway 4 right, which is labeled as 4R. The opposite ends of these runways would be 2-2 right and 2-2 left. When there's three parallel runways, they'll usually be labeled left, right, and center. As you might know, Earth's magnetic lines drift and magnetic directions change, and this means that runway numbers can be changed from time to time. What happens to old planes? When an airline retires a plane, there's a number of things that can happen to it. If it's leased, for example, which is the case with many airliners, it's returned to the lesser, who then decides what to do with it. It can also be sold to another airline, and even if an aircraft is at a point where it's no longer profitable for passenger operations, it could go to a cargo airline. Cargo airlines often buy older passenger jets and convert them into freighters, A plane might require too much maintenance or not be fuel efficient enough for a passenger airline when it gets older, but a cargo carrier might be willing to buy it at a lower price. And this is because cargo airlines tend to be less worried about things like aircraft age, higher maintenance requirements, and fuel efficiency because they usually fly their planes less than passenger airlines do. And this is why cargo airlines tend to have older aircraft fleets than passenger airlines. At some point though, planes eventually reach the end of their operating lives. 
Sometimes, they'll get sent to be used for research purposes, or to be displayed in a museum, or to be put to some other special use. However, the vast majority of retired aircraft end up in aircraft boneyards. And these are large sites where aircraft are sent to live out their final days. They're usually found in deserts because the hard ground doesn't need to be paved, and the dry climate helps in reducing corrosion. Well-known aircraft boneyards are located at the airports of Victorville, California, and Pinal Air Park in Arizona. The sights at these aircraft boneyards are actually quite stunning, with rows and rows of planes just sitting in the middle of an airfield or in the middle of a desert. And at these sites, aircraft usually have their parts removed for reuse, and then they're scrapped. These sites are also sometimes used by airlines to store their planes temporarily, For example, many airlines have sent aircraft to the desert during the COVID-19 pandemic due to a reduced need for planes. If you have a question about air travel that you want to be answered on the Flying Smarter podcast, please get in touch with us. You can submit an audio recording of your question at flyingsmarter.com forward slash contact or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Flying Smarter or on Twitter at Flying underscore Smarter. I'm very excited to introduce Flying Smarter's very first guest, Joe Thomas, who worked as a flight attendant with a major U.S. airline for 12 years. He hosts the podcast Grounded with Joe Thomas and is also the author of the Flight Attendant Joe blog, as well as three books about his experiences as a flight attendant. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Andrew. I'm very honored. Thank you so much. Well, Joe, look, I'm really happy to have you here as our first guest. So you recently left your job as a flight attendant, and perhaps I should add you left voluntarily, and this was during a really tough and unusual time for the airline industry. So how do you feel about things for yourself right now? Well, things are fabulous. (laughs) I, um, you know, originally my airline had offered some type of um, voluntary retirement last year. And I was really on the fence about taking it. I was like, oh, should I do it? Am I ready? Am I ready? And something in my gut told me, no, you know, stick around. You're not done yet. And then the new year came. And then, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic hit and the airline offered um, the early retirement option again. And I sat down and I was really on the fence with it. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And my husband said to me, well, you know what you're going to do because you were going to do it last year and now is the perfect time. So I put in for my early retirement and I was awarded it. And I believe it was the perfect time for me to leave. When I think back now, I, I believe I made the correct decision for myself. Well, I'm really glad it sort of all it almost all really worked out the timing wise um, very nicely for you. So you've written a lot um, in the past and talk a lot about how people should treat their flight attendants and how they should act on their flights based on the experiences that you've had. And one of the things that some people might think when they see this or hear us talking about this is why it's even necessary and shouldn't some of this stuff be common sense? So why do you feel that talking about these types of things is important? Well, I think that when people leave their homes to go travel, it's very stressful and it's very overwhelming. You know, just the idea of going to the airport and having to go through TSA is 
is mind melting for some people, especially the people that really don't travel. They just don't know. So it's important to remind people, hey, listen, I know you don't do this every day. I know that this is sometimes a once every three or four month thing you might go to the airport. So let's let's help educate you on how to act in the airport, how to to present yourself to your flight attendants. And I like to do that with a little satire and comedy because I think that helps mitigate anybody saying, oh, you're just being sarcastic and you flight attendants are terrible, which they say anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, one of our goals here is to help people become smarter and better air travelers. So I want to go through the different phases of a flight and get your thoughts on what people can and should be doing to help themselves and their fellow passengers have a good flying experience. So let's start with the boarding process and the period of time before takeoff. What do people need to know about that? So from boarding and takeoff, oh my God, boarding is the, boarding, when you said the word boarding, I started having like a panic attack in my seat because I could serve drinks all day long, but that, the idea of boarding and standing there when they're like, there's 20 passengers who are in wheelchairs and then there's 10 dogs and then there's this, it's just overwhelming. So for passengers coming on board an airplane during boarding, I think it's important to pay attention be kind to your flight attendants as you walk on, say hello, you know, have your stuff ready so that when you sit down and the seatbelt sign goes on and we're taxiing to the we, I speak like I'm still there. Oh, <laughs> and, and I know, right? It's so hard to change that verbiage. Um, and so when you're sitting down, you're in the, you're in the window seat. Oh, darn it. I don't have my headphones. Oh, darn it. I have to go to the bathroom. Oh my goodness. Like have all that stuff done. So when you walk on the airplane, you have everything ready, you sit down and that's it. You're good. You're buckled up. I don't need to be bothered until I have to go to the bathroom somewhere over Nebraska. Right. So the plane's taken off now. What's important for people to know about the main portion of their flight? Um, it's important to know where your call bell is. It's important to follow what the flight attendant says. You know, listen to the safety demonstration. Know how to fasten your seatbelt. Know that, very important, that you're not supposed to get up before 10,000 feet. I'm sorry if you, you know, if you have to run to the bathroom, unless it's an emergency, because, you know, I'm not someone or flight attendants aren't someone to say to you, hey, stay seated, stay seated, because we're only at 6,000 feet. That's the rule. But I'm never going to be the one to like, hound somebody, I'll tell them like, hey, you need to sit down. But if you if they say I have to go to the bathroom and run by me, you know, I've done my job, but people just need to be aware of their surroundings. And I think that's a big missing part of air travel is that when you're a passenger, you're sitting there and you're not being aware, you don't know what's going on around you. And I think it's so important to be aware of your surroundings when you're a passenger on an airplane. I think that would help out in so many ways. Right. Okay. So now our flight has landed and we're either taxiing to the gate or the doors open. And what do people, uh, what should people have in mind there? Get off the plane as quickly as possible. I don't understand these people that just take their time strolling off the airplane like they don't have nowhere else to go. Listen, your flight attendants and your pilots have to either get home or they have to get to their hotel and start their layover. So sitting there while you try to wake up your kid who's been sleeping for five hours, you should have woke, started waking up your kid at 10,000 feet. 
So it's those types of things. Um, you know, pay attention to the person in front of you. Get your bag down. If you're in the last row, don't, you don't need to stand up. You've got like 15 minutes before you even have to get off the airplane. So it's things like that. Um, I always go back to that I truly believe the air travelers are not aware of their surroundings. So it looks like they're just bumbling fools, but really they just need to pay attention. Now, on the note of getting off the plane, I think one thing that would be uh, helpful for people to know is that, at least in North America, pilots and flight attendants don't actually get paid when the door is open. Is that right? You're, you're absolutely correct. Flight attendants and pilots are not paid during boarding. So it's one of those things where if you're scheduled to leave at 7 p.m., you have to be at the airport by 6 p.m., and then you go to the gate, and then you do your briefing, and then you're doing all your security checks, and you're not getting paid for any of that. And then as boarding you know, boarding comes on, you're not getting paid for that. So when you're helping like grandma with her bag full of rocks that she's bringing home to her grandkids, you know, and you're trying to lift that, you're not getting paid for that. You start getting paid the moment the um, aircraft door closes and the pilots release the brake. Then we start getting paid our um, our credit hour pay. But before that, we're just getting our like per DM, which is anywhere between $1.75 and 215 You're not paid, the flight attendants and pilots are not paid their hourly salary during boarding or deplaning. So that whole time that that passengers are standing there picking their butts and waiting to get off the plane, we're not getting paid for that either. So that's why I was like, when we land and you try to get off the airplane as quickly as possible because we're not getting paid at this point. Right. And I was a little surprised when I first learned that. Now, we've talked a lot about what people should be doing on their flight. What are some things that people should absolutely avoid or not be doing on their flights? (laughs) <laughs> is this a trick question, Andrew? Um, what do what people should be doing? People shouldn't be walking around barefoot going to the lavatory. That's that's pretty much. Um, you people shouldn't be hanging out in the flight attendant galley because that's where the flight attendants can go and kind of just you know relax for a moment, take a deep breath. You know, it's it's their office space. I always say to people who are not in the airline industry, imagine you have an office and I just come in your office and I put my feet up on your desk while you're eating a sandwich. So um, I think parents who come on board with their kids, they should not let their children run amok like their children own the airplane. So there's all these things that make life easier for everyone else, but people are so focused on what they're doing and their own life. Like I said before, it always goes back to being aware of that you're not on an airplane by yourself. You're on the airplane with 200 other people. So just be kind to one another and be courteous. Now, if you'll let me switch gears a little bit, I understand that you have some thoughts and advice for people about ordering a beverage on a flight. And when I first learned about this, my reaction was, well, it can't really be that hard, can it? But you have some thoughts on this, right? Yeah, you know, one of the first blog articles I ever wrote was how to order a beverage on an airplane um, back in 2012. And you wouldn't think you'd have to guide people on how to order a drink, but you really do because, you know, 
So here's some tips I can give you. You know, when the flight attendant, when you see the card in the aisle, you know what's going to happen. You know, you know that they're going to ask you what you want to drink. So take your head, take your earbuds. If you're listening to music or whatever, or watching TV, if the airplane that you're on has television, you know, take your earbuds out, put your tray table down. When the flight attendant says, hi, may I get you something to drink? Know what you want to order. You probably know what you want to order because there was a menu in the seat back pocket that you should have looked at because when you go to a restaurant, you don't ask the waiter, what do you have? You look at the menu and then you decide, okay, so, you know, know what you're going to order, have your tray table down, take your earphones out of your head ears because you want to interact with the flight attendant. When the flight attendant hands you a napkin, that's a pretty good indication that the next question is, what would you like to drink? Um, if you're traveling with children, I always recommend this isn't the time to spend 20 minutes trying to get little Billy to figure out if he wants an orange juice or a Sprite. What about ordering coffee? Oh, God, don't order coffee. That's just the, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I don't mind <laughs> coffee. You're putting me in the corner, Andrew. Um, I write a lot of jokes about ordering coffee. And if you have to order coffee, and I understand, I've personally never ordered coffee on an airplane because that water tank is probably disgusting. So my thing is don't order coffee on an airplane. But if you have to order coffee on the airplane, be as specific as possible. Don't say, I would like a coffee regular. That's my New York accent, by the way. I would like my coffee regular. Well, regular means nothing to me because in the States, Regular in New York is something different than regular in Boston, and then it's different than regular in California. So if you have to order coffee, say, hi, I would like coffee with cream and two sugars. Very basic. And I know you're probably like, why do you have to tell people this? Andrew, I promise you, you have to tell people these things. That's why this podcast is going to be a success, because people don't know how to travel and they don't even know how to order coffee. Right. And that's exactly one of my goals here to help people become better and smarter air travelers. Now, I also know that you have some advice for people if they want to increase their chances of getting a free drink. Could you mm -hmm. share that? Oh, yes. I tell everyone I know, even when I was a flight attendant, now that I'm retired, I'm, it's the same message still. Um, there's, there's ways you can get complimentary drinks on your flight. And the first thing, I wrote a blog article about this. And the first thing I said was, be kind. When you come on the plane, say hi to your flight attendant. Acknowledge that, you know, they're human beings. Yes, I understand a lot of people think flight attendants are just robots who can work 16 hours a day and still serve you a Diet Coke with a smile. But they're human beings. And sometimes they get pushed to their limits. So just be kind. Um, you know, bring treats. I always tell my friends, bring, you know, stop at the little store in the airport, the Hudson News or wherever you are, and get yourself like a $4.99 bag of Hershey's, like the little Hershey's candies. When you walk on the plane, say, hi, my name is such and such. I know you guys work so hard. I wanted to bring you something. I promise you, all the flight attendants are going to be so excited that they will possibly offer you free cocktails. If you're really nice, they might even move you to a better seat. So it all goes back to being kind to people, um, asking flight attendants how they're doing, telling the flight attendant, 
you know, I'm afraid to fly. This is my first time on a plane or I hate flying. I'm so nervous. You know, I used to be afraid to fly. It's the first chapter um, in my first book of how I got over it. So if somebody comes on and they say, I'm really afraid to fly, I usually just do everything I possibly can for them. Um, if the flight attendant needs to, if the flight attendant says, hi, you know, this family's not sitting next to each other, would you mind moving to another seat? Bargain with them, say, I would love to, you know, can I get some free drinks? They're going to give you free drinks. What happens is people forget that flight attendants are human beings. I don't know why. And they are, are rude and nasty and and unfriendly. Say, say you're flying and your TV's broken, right? Andrew, say you're on a flight and your TV's broken and you've been really wanting to watch whatever you watch. If you go back to the flight attendant, you're like, I can't believe you, my TV's broken. You've ruined my day. You're probably not going to get a great response from your flight attendant because, you know, there are some flight attendants out there who don't know how to de-escalate situations, right? They're so if you just approach them and say, hey, listen, I know you can't really do anything, but my TV's broken. Do you have another seat that I could sit in? Or, you know, is there anything you could do for me? Nine times out of 10, the flight attendant's going to say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Let me see if I have another seat. And if they don't, they'll, off, they'll, they'll offer you something. I promise you. Um, it's, it's just really, when it boils down to it, Andrew, it's just really being kind to the flight attendant. Now, we've talked a lot about being nice to flight attendants, but there's going to be people out there who are either thinking or have run into situations where flight attendants were being rude to people, and they've had experiences where, objectively speaking, the passengers were being nicer to the flight attendants than the other oh, way yeah. around. So what would you say to people who've had experiences like that? Well, I would say that is actually, I can't even speak, that is accurate and true, um, I know I'm not supposed to say any bad words, but there are a lot of out there who are flight attendants. So you're going to come upon them. I know I promised I would say a bad word, but you can bleep that out. So, um, you know, it's there's going to be there's always going to be those types of people. Right. So what you have to do is if you notice if you're being kind, if you're the passenger and you're like, hey, my TV's broken. Is there anything I could do? You could do No, There's nothing I could do for you. My advice is go find another flight attendant because I promise you on the crew of flight attendants, there will be one flight attendant who is kind. Um, and then also, if you do interact with nasty, mean flight attendants, um, every airline that you travel has a like website where you can write in a letter. So I always tell people, even though I was a flight attendant, because I've worked on flights where I'm the nice one, but someone else is just really not very kind. And I'll always, you know, fix the situation. Let me move you, sir. Here's, you know, can I buy you a free drink? But then I also say, you know, you can go on the airline's website and please let them know your experience because nothing will change if you don't report this. Now, I have one technical question for you because I was asked this recently and I'm hoping that you can explain when you're sitting on a plane and you're about to leave and uh, someone comes over the PA and asks the flight attendants to arm doors and cross-check or to prepare their doors for departure, you know, the wording sort of depends on the airline, what does that actually mean? So what that means is the lead flight attendant will tell everyone, you know, 
prepare for departure, arm your doors. So all the flight attendants that are at specific spots on the airplane, whether they're in the front, they're in the back, they have to arm the, the emergency slide on the door. So that's what that means. It means you're arming the door in case you ditched into the ocean and you had to open the door in the which would make the raft inflate immediately because it's armed and it's ready to inflate. Or if you had to um, say there's an engine on fire at the gate and you have to get out of the airplane really fast, you'd want to arm the door and open the door so the raft or the slide opens. So basically that's the lead flight attendant telling us the main doors closed, the flight deck doors closed, we're getting ready to leave. Before we pull away, we have to arm our doors, which are which is the slide, and then we have to cross-check to make sure that it's armed, and then we have to call them and let them know our, our, our doors are armed and crossed checked. When you land and you get to the gate, you know, everybody knows you get to the gate and then you hear flight attendants disarm doors or flight attendants prepare for arrival. That means, all right, now I got to get up from my jump seat. I'm going to disarm the doors. I'm going to double check to make sure they're disarmed because we don't want to open the door and have somebody get injured. And now I'm going to call back up front and I'm going to say, hey guys, my doors are disarmed and they're cross-checked. Joe Thomas is a recently retired flight attendant and is also known as Flight Attendant Joe. If you want to hear more from him, check out his podcast, Grounded with Joe Thomas, which is available on your podcast app of choice. You can also find his three books on Amazon. They're filled with hilarious stories and inappropriate jokes. And you can check out his blog at flightattendantjoe.com, where he also has links to his books. Well, thanks so much for being here, Joe. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Andrew, for inviting me, and this was a lot of fun. It was nice chatting with you. Thank you. That brings us to the end of this episode of Flying Smarter. Now, we're really trying to grow the podcast, so if you're enjoying the show, I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a minute to leave us a review if you're listening on a platform that lets you do so, like Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.